by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Passion Church. If this is your first time here, we got some uh, new visitor cards in the chairs in front of you. Fill one of those out and turn it in at the back in the connect desk at the end of the service and uh, they'll give you a free gift bag to let, let you know we're so excited that you're here we've been praying for you uh, <clears throat> and those of you who are regulars here don't forget to invite your friends and family uh, that's the work of God in this nation is to, to bring people to Jesus hmm strangers inviting strangers <laughs> yes absolutely uh, Speaking about Pakistan, I got an opportunity. I, I get to minister to the ministers in Pakistan once a month, and this was the week. And uh, Tuesday, I was on a Zoom call with the pastors there, and uh, usually it's a pretty good-sized room full of folks. You know, pastors come from all over for the training. And I was wondering, with persecution hitting so close to home, right, you know, just the neighboring province over from them where, all the, where these churches were burned, I wonder, you know, was the heat, going to be so great that the pastors didn't show up for the training this time, or some of them maybe got afraid. Do you know there were, they were packed into that little church building? There was more there this week than I have seen before. Do you know persecution that actually draws the church closer to one another? It's during the good times that, that we start fighting over silly stuff about the color of the pews and the kind of music that you play and all that kind of stuff. But when true persecution hits, when we get our focus on what really matters, we'll come together. And so that's what we're trying to do here at the Passion Church is learn to come together without having to face persecution. And so when the persecution gets here, we'll be ready for it. We won't be afraid. We'll already uh, be so tight of a unit, a unit. That the devil, he can't, he can't pick off any strays. He can't get to us. We'll be a tight unit. Uh, meanwhile, here in Horn Lake at the Passion Church men's group. Is there a... Yeah. <laughs> our, our media person had to, is working double duty, so we're going to get somebody to show... Show the video real quick. This was, this was just a short clip. Here she comes. Here she comes. This is from the men's group. Powerful stuff right here, guys. <laughs> you say, what are they doing? We're playing an icebreaker game. We're having fun together. You say, well, that's not scriptural. Yes, it is. You say, that's not important. Yes, it is. If you can get men today to have fun together, men, think of the things they can do together. Because men, they're <laughs> look at men in the background. <laughs> it was some kind of video game that you had to move your controller around, but. We had a good time. I think some, God's doing something in the men folks. I believe God's doing something in the lady folks as well. I talked to Miss Charlene this morning. She said the women's group was doing fine. So if you're not part of one, go ahead and join up. When I was in junior high, my first year of junior high, I tried out for the football team and made it and everything. But they tried to put me on the defensive line. And I was like, no, I want to run the football. I want to score touchdowns, you know. And so I started pestering the coach. Come on, coach, let me run the ball. Let me run the ball every day at practice. Let me, let me on the offense, coach, let me run the ball. Now, he knew I ran a 40-yard dash in like eight seconds. <laughs> so, <laughs> slow as five seconds. No, I ran it in eight seconds. So he wasn't going to give me a shot. But because, you know, like that, 
that lady in the Bible that kept pestering the judge. I kept pestering the coach. He finally said, at one practice, he said, Chef, he'll get in here and let's see what you can do. You know, he didn't expect much. And he called a 24 dive. Now, be, he said, you're the two back. I want you to go through the four hole, which is right to the right of the quarterback, and take the handoff. I knew all that stuff. <laughs> so quarterback sat down, said, Hut, and handed me the ball, and I come through the line, and the first guy that was in there, I ran smooth over him. I was slow, but I was strong. And so I, I kept running, made, made about five or six yards, and the coach says, hey, that's not too bad, Chef. You'll try it again. I did it again. He said, you know what? We might give you a shot at it this Saturday at the game. Sure enough, the game came along. I was on the defensive line. All game. Come around about the fourth quarter, he finally remembered. It might have been because I was on the, on the sidelines. I said, come on, coach, let me run the ball. <laughs> Just pestering him, boy. He finally said, get in there, Sheffield. You know, we were already getting beat 33 to nothing or something like that. He didn't have anything to lose at this point. And so I got... He said, tell the quarterback a, a 25 dive. So I ran to the huddle, and the coach said, 25 dive. And I'm the two back. And I was just making sure they knew I was running the ball. <laughs> and so I got behind the quarterback, you know. Now, the, at practice, he had told me to 24 dive. So I was kind of used to going to the right, you know. And the, the even numbers are on the right. Odd numbers are on the left. And if I think back, I... The coach had given me a playbook that after that practice that day and told me to study it, but I, who studies the playbook? I know all this stuff, right? Well, the quarterback said, hut, this time, and I go back through the four hole like I did at practice, and he ain't there. In fact, he's turned to the left, and he's promptly sacked because there was nobody to hand the ball to. And I'm standing there on the middle of that field, feeling like a, go a doofus, much the same way I am right now. <laughs> and I'll never forget, the coach yelled from the sideline, Sheffield, get out of there! I had to come trotting off the field, everybody knowing my mistake. And he came, he grabbed me by the face mask and he said, boy, you wasn't ready when your number was called! And I didn't get to run the ball again the rest of the year. Today we're going to talk about being ready when your number's called. How many know your number's going to be called one day? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. As we look upon the Word of God. You understand this is the Word of God. This came from God given to holy men of old as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is God's love letter to you. These are the words of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25. He says all athletes are disciplined in their training. Say disciplined. Did it sound like I was disciplined on that football team? Somebody's trying to cut me some slack. No. I didn't read my playbook, did I? I looked up the word discipline, and this is what it means. Control gained by enforcing obedience or order. Discipline is control gained by enforcing obedience or order. I had neither, neither been obedient or in order, and I had no discipline. He goes on to say, they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Nobody remembers the score of that game. I mean, it was something to nothing. I remember that. But I, that's because I played in the game, but none of you even heard of that game. But the prize that we're playing for today, the reason we're meeting in this church today, is eternal. Your spirit is eternal. We're playing for an eternal prize. Let's pray. Father, let us grasp the holiness of your word today. Let us grasp the beauty of your presence in this place. 
Let us hunger and desire to be disciplined followers of Jesus Christ, which is what we refer to as a disciple. Father, let us be where you want to be us to be today. Let us move with you. Let us be where your presence is. Let us, in this church, be where your blessing is. Let us move in concert with you in our personal lives and in our family life here at the church. Change us. Rearrange us. To be disciplined followers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's keep, keep reading here. Now they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it to win an eternal prize. He says, so I run with purpose. Every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I'm not playing around. The devil ain't playing around. The devil ain't shadow boxing, is he, Brother Rick? He'll try to cut your water off. He'll punch you right in the nose. He's not shadow boxing. We need to wake up. Our enemy is real. And we don't need to be playing around. We need to run with purpose in every step, not just shadow boxing. And then he says in verse 27, I discipline. Say discipline. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I feel that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. How good would a football team be if they didn't practice? How good would a football team be without players that studied the playbook? How good would a football team be if they had no discipline? And they were all standing by the coach, behind the coach saying, put me in, coach, put me in. But they weren't ready. How good would a football team be if they didn't Pay the price for some endurance. And that's what we've been preaching on is a series called Endurance. We're on part three today, and we're just going to call it When Your Number Is Called. When Your Number Is Called. So you can have the most gifted players, and I'm looking out across the room just full of gifts, talents, and beauty. An ability. You can have the most gifted players. And you can have the world's greatest coach. But without endurance, without discipline, without training, without us staying on the potter's wheel, letting God get his hands into us and mold and shape us into the to, for us training to be the athletes, understanding we're not just shadow boxing and playing down here, without us being serious about our faith, building the endurance for this race, we will lose. And we will come up short of God's desire for our lives. You ever seen on, on the on the football games, even at high schools and stuff, the end of the third quarter, they all go around holding up four fingers. And they get all excited, and I'm like, why are they so excited about the fourth quarter? Because they've been told that's what they're training for. That's what they've been, that's what all that blood and sweat and tears for two-a-day practices was for. They were getting ready for the fourth quarter. And I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, we're in the fourth quarter. Jesus is coming back soon. And we are in the fourth quarter. Lift them up. Are you fourth quarter strong? Are you ready when your number is called? Endurance is a key to our victory. So that's what we're preaching on. We've uh, mentioned five adversaries to our endurance so far. Does anybody remember settling for what the world has to offer? Not really caring if you get in the game. Just being okay with sitting on the bench. 
And then there's many who's allowed the world to cause their love to grow cold. You know, that's if the devil can get you love, he's got you. If he can get you mad at everybody, if he, you know, they, they say to conquer you must divide. If he can get us all divided down here and our love growing cold and hatred of many just increasing towards their brothers and sisters down here, he's got us. The third thing we talked about was losing focus. The fourth thing was compromise. And the fifth thing was just looking back at the good old days and kind of longing to go back to Egypt. And I think all these things can work in concert. You know, all the adversaries to our endurance, they're, they're all trying to get us to, to throw up our hands and quit and take off our pads. And I did that before, too. I just quit the team. But God would say, no, uh-uh. I've called you just such a t for just such a time as this, Rick. I've called you for this time. I've looked to and fro, and I've seen your heart. And I said, who will go for me? And you were the one that answered. So I've saved you for the fourth quarter. Today we're going to talk about the sixth adversary, and it's the only one we're going to talk about today. It's bad habits. Bad habits. You know, we must actively choose what habits we allow in our life, or the devil will choose them for us. Our flesh will choose them for us. Habits can either work for you or against you. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I looked up the word habit. It says a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Why is it hard to give up? Because you done settled into it. This is your way of doing things. We all have habits in our life. Everybody in here has habits. Some of us are so predictable it's ridiculous. You know, we know where you're going to be at a certain time of the week. We know what, what you're going to eat on a certain day of the week. Some of us are very predictable. Some of us are, you know, our life is one big habit. And habits can be good, but today we're going to talk about adversaries, so we're going to talk about those bad habits. Bad habits rob us of life. And when I say rob us of life, if we're talking about endurance and we're trying to get to the end, these things are going to make sure that we don't get to the end. Like bad habits for your body. Like not taking care of yourself. Not eating good. Junk food. I wrote some down just thinking about it. No exercise. Those are bad habits. What happens is, is your body's going to decay Sooner than it should be. Your fourth quarter, you're going to be, take me out, coach. Right? So, bad hygiene, smoking is working against your lungs, overworking. Sometimes we just do too much. No sleep. Picking your nose. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one in there. But there's serious things like alcohol and drugs using these things. Or, or the reason why God hates these bad habits is because they're deteriorating your body. And this is the temple of the Lord. This is, this is your life. This is your, your earth suit. And you're not taking care of it so that you'll be around for the fourth quarter. You'll be around for when God calls your number. Somebody help me preach. But then there's a lot of things, habits, that are really can be bad for our body, but more so bad for our souls, who we are on the inside. I wrote some of those down. I think one of the biggest ones today is excessive media. I, I, I'm not going to go into that, but, you know, that thing in your back pocket that I call a zombie maker. That is knocking so many people out of the race. I don't look at that so much as I look at that idiot box in the living room. You know what I'm saying? But we all have too much screen time. And I've always said this. I, I can't imagine the day I get to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, why did you 
spend so much time watching somebody else live their life and not live your own. Okay, too much screen time. Let me move on. This is going to make some of y'all mad. No. Uh, worry. Worry is the opposite of faith. And you, we can be in a habit of saying, well, that's my job to worry. And you just worry, worry, worry. And it's just tearing you up on the inside. Criticizing others. Cussing. Dwelling on the past. Being judgmental. Being grumpy, grumbling, gambling, gossiping. These are bad habits. You break promises. You procrastinate. You look at pornography and you pass gas. <laughs> it is a bad habit, but I just threw it in there because... And another bad habit, telling stale jokes. <laughs> I bet I get an amen on that one. Negativity, rage, anger, indifference, lying. All very, very bad habits, and they damage your soul. They damage you to the core, to the heart of who you are as a person. They damage your reputation, your character, your integrity. These bad habits got to go. And maybe you heard your number called on one of those. That's okay. That's okay. We're going to find out what to do today so that we can clean up. And present ourselves holy before God when our number's called. So, can you name some, some habits that would bring life to you? Some good habits? Bible reading? Devotion? Prayer? Those, we all know those, right? You don't even want to hear me preach on those. But those do what? They bring life. Why? Because there's life in the Word. This is the bread of life. When you talk about it, when you think about it, when you meditate on it, when your eyes are laid on it, when you speak it, it's bringing life. You can have all these other dead things in your life, but you see the promises of God say, no, that's not you. This is you. Look in the mirror and see who I made you to be. And then you can cast off that old self. You can keep that old dead man buried. You can put it underground, buried in baptism, and come up with Christ resurrected into a new life. And it's all found. Who you are is found in this word. And, and whose you are is found in prayer. Oh, my goodness, how many times has my soul been downcast? Like David said. How many times have I been like a deer Beside the waters, panting for the presence of God, needing something. And I turn to God in prayer. And life, oh, and life more abundantly. And the knowledge of Him, His presence, His fullness of joy. You know you can turn to Jesus in prayer. These are good habits. These are things that keep the, the darkness away. Put it at bay. Don't you want to live in the light as He is in the light? then you got to walk under the shadow of the Almighty because His shadow is glorious. you got to find your hiding place in Him. You belong with Jesus. And know you not that He's within you? Come on now. Somebody, we got... Rick, we can just come on and talk about how generous our God is some more. That He would, he would become one of us and, be, and become in a, each of us. And travel through this life with us. To give us this full-time comfort, counsel, help. In every situation, power, life, and life more abundantly. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We have everything we need. We've got to just discipline ourselves to walk in the light and come out from amongst the darkness. And that's who you are. You are children of the light. And together we come together as a city on a hill. You got me preaching already. This is such good news. We win if we stick together. We learn to endure together. And the victory is in Christ. It's been there the whole time. You've been looking for love in all the wrong places. 
You've been looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. You've been looking for life in all the wrong places. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Why do we fight against our very own identity? Why do we, why do we argue with, with the creator of everything? The sustainer of our souls. Why do we argue with him? Is there... I'm way off in a tangent somewhere, but I'm just... I just love talking about Jesus. Because I have never once got down on my knees. I have never once went to the altar. I have never once said, God, I'm going to spend some time with you. Even when, if, when I sometimes, this is an idea, sometimes I just say, God, I'm not even going to talk. But I just want to be with you. Some, some people may say, what? Can you do that? I go walking and I say, God, my, my, my soul is tired. My brain is overworked. But I'm just going to be with you. I don't have, I'm not going to say anything, God. And I end up saying stuff. But, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be quiet. And if you have anything to say, let me hear it. Because I'm not even going to be actively listening real hard. You know, sometimes we're trying to, God, show me right now. i got to see a flashing banner come across my mind. No. Sometimes I just say, God, I just want to be with you just like a friend that that I can walk with and we don't have to, we so close we don't even have to talk. We don't have to have any pretense of conversation. We, we just know each other so well. And I've never, never spent any time, any, any time, <laughs> never spent any time with Jesus that I regret. He has always made me feel uplifted. Always made me feel, even when I was downtrodden even when I was hurting even when I knew where I was at was because my own fault even when I was in sin even when I was in my darkest hour I could turn to him and he would lift me up so why would I not run to him why would I not listen to what he has to say about me habits where was we talking about forming new habits Requires more than just good intentions, though. We all got good intentions. I know you do. I've never seen anybody with bad intentions. Even in, and I preach it to jail all the time. I ask them guys, how many of you want to be a good person? Every one of them. They didn't want to be known for what they're in there for. They don't want to be seen in an orange jumpsuit. They want to, on their on their. At their funeral, they want to hear people say good things about them. He was a man of character and integrity. We all got good intentions. But it takes more than just a want to, to change your life. I, I want big muscles. But I got to go to the gym. I got to do some stuff that ain't pleasant. I want to have money in the bank, but I got to stop spending it all. I'm back on habits again, ain't I? I wrote down just a few things that it's going to take. I have found that to create new habits, to put those old habits, to, to stop the old habit and turn it into, that's what you got to do. You got to take an old habit. You can't just say, I'm going to stop it. You got to say, I'm going to replace it. Old bad habits need to be replaced with new good habits. Don't just get rid of the old habit and just leave a void. But turn it into something good. So, and to do so, you got to make firm decisions. Some of us, you know, we go to McDonald's and we know everything by heart, what's on the menu, but we're just staring at that menu. I don't know. I want a Big Mac. No, a fish fillet. And I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on ordering. I'm ordering. We just have a hard time making decisions. But making decisions is, 
Making firm decisions is something you're going to have to do if you're going to be who God called you to be. When you see an area of your life that needs to change, you gotta, you got to get with yourself and get with the Lord. And, and if you make your firm decision before the Lord, it just carries so much more weight. When I tell God, God, I'm making a firm decision that I am not doing this any longer. I want to replace it with this. I want to I take the time I was spending here and I want to put it into this. I want to take the finances I was spending on this and put it into something good. God, and I'm making a firm decision. Will you help me? I find when I do that, that I brought it before the Lord, it carries a different weight in my heart. And it helps me to, to change. The next thing I would say is make doable plans. You know, we, we have to plan. You know, you, you got to think about what you want to change, and you got to say, okay, on this day I'm going to do this, and to get this result, I'm going to have to do this, this, and this, right? So I'm going to make a plan, but I'm going to make a doable plan. Some of you may leave here and say, man, I, everything on that list of bad habits I got, and I'm changing them all. <laughs> You're not going to be able to change them all at once. God doesn't expect us to change everything at once. Maybe pray and say, God, what is the thing that I need to change this week, this month? And make a doable plan. You want to make something that you can be successful at. You don't want to just live in constant failure because you set undoable plans for yourself. And you stay discouraged. You want to see constant improvement. You want a doable plan. So what's the first thing? Firm decision. A doable plan plan. Y'all not helping me preach. A firm, a doable plan. Then another thing that Brother Nick always talks about is really helpful. Accountability. Don't tell everybody in the church, but find somebody that you trust. Find somebody that follows the Lord and say, look, I, I'm wanting to change this about my life. Could you help me? Could you can I talk to you about this? Can you call me once a week to check and see if I'm doing good so that I have somebody to be accountable to? I know that's foreign to the world's way of doing things. We don't trust nobody. We don't tell nobody nothing. But we're brothers and sisters. We're in this together. That's why we don't wear fake masks here at the Passion Church. That's why I don't come up here and act like I'm some pastor that never done anything wrong or never makes, you know, I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, I want you to see the real me. I want to tell all my bad stories so that we don't have to wear a mask. Nobody has to wear a mask in here, you understand? You don't change by wearing a mask. You got to get real for change to happen. So if we get real, we can find an accountability partner. They're just as jacked up as you are. I'm telling you, once you get to know one another, then we can real change can begin to happen. And then you just got to have stick to it. Ooh, I got that out. I bet you can't say it. It was harder than you thought, wasn't it? Jason said, stick to it. <laughs> stick to it. You got to. You got to say, God, help me stick to it. And, and I'm going to add one more thing. Is when you don't stick to it, you know, like you've been on a diet and then somebody brings over some bunt cake or something, you know. <laughs> What's that? Nothing bunt cake or something. Yeah, some people are getting ready, thinking about lunch already. Somebody brings over some bunt cake, guess what? You get off your diet real quick. And you've been on a diet for so long, you don't just eat one piece, you eat half the cake or something. You know, okay. Half, <laughs> half the cake. That stuff happens. Life happens. We fail. But get back up. And don't run from God. Never run from God. Never, ever, 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 ever run from God. Run to him. Say, I'm sorry, and get back in your race and keep going. I'm telling you, I can sense some change happening in this place. You know, that's why we come to church, so that we can, we can be changed in the presence of the living God. God wants us to change, to be ye holy as I am holy, so that we'll be ready when our number's called. 
So what's some ways we become this new creation God's calling us to be? I'm going to give you some, some things to do. Say, throw off and put on. Say, throw off and put on. Didn't I say that a while ago? If you're going to change your habit, you've got to throw it off, but you've got to replace it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on, say put on, your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Did you know you were created to be like God? Do you know you're his child? You were created in his image. This fall of sin has caused corruption and decay in this world. But God sent his spirit into your heart to renew you, to regenerate you, to resurrect you a new life. Truly holy and righteous like God. You've got to see yourself like that. So you've got to throw off. You've got to be determined to throw them off. If, you go, if you're in here and you're saying, I'm not doing anything he's saying. I ain't thinking about none of that. I like it the way I am. Then you're just going to sit on the bench in the fourth corner. You're not going to be ready. You've got to constantly be ready to change. This is a sanctification period of our life. We got saved, now it's the sanctification. That's, that's the part where we get sanctified. That's the part where we grow and we learn. So throw off and put on the new nature. There's a, there's a war battling within each one of us. Was it some guy said one time, there's like a wolf on each shoulder, a good wolf on one shoulder and an evil wolf on the other. And he says, the guy said, which one's more powerful? He said, the one you feed. The one you feed becomes more powerful. Feed that spirit man. Eat that bread of life. Let it come stronger on the inside of you, and you'll throw off the old and put on the new. You got to, number two, see yourself like God sees you. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know? Look at your neighbor and say, do you not know? That you are the temple of God. Somebody mocking me out there. I hear, I hear an echo. That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Do you not know? You are not just a mere mortal anymore. You're not just the old person you used to be with a few band-aids. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have a new nature now. And these two warring wolves with inside, you got to choose this day whom you're going to serve. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. You choose. Death, life and peace. Break it down for you. I choose life. Because the life is in me. You say, would, you know, the things I do, that, you know, I, I'm okay drinking a little alcohol. Or I'm okay smoking a little dope or this. Or, you know, it's not God made that stuff. He put it on the earth, you know, and you're justifying different things in your life. How do you know if something is pleasing to the Lord? Let me ask you this. If I was sitting in here smoking a doobie, and had a beer in my hand, and Jesus walked in, would I try to hide him? Or would I say, come on, have a beer with me, Jesus? You know, you, that's not right. The question you have to ask yourself about the different things in your life is, how would I feel if Jesus walked in while I was doing this? Now, there's some things that Jesus wouldn't mind that you'd be surprised about that he created. But there's some things that you know in your spirit they ain't right. 
Would you do it in front of Jesus? There you go. They used to say, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus do it? So, see yourself like Christ does. you got a new nature now. You're a temple of the living God. Everywhere you go, you're carrying the Holy Spirit. You don't want to grieve him, take him into places he ought not be. The next one, I guess, is number three. We're on a whole different set of numbering now, I guess. Renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're talking about today. We've got to change our minds about the way we see ourselves, about what we're supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be preparing for. Am I bringing condemnation to anybody or am I bringing hope? Because I'm not trying to beat you down. I've already said that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standards. I mean, we're all in this together, really. So I'm not picking out anybody's sin on purpose. I'm just saying that's not you anymore. That's not you anymore. There's better things for you. God has a better hope and a dream for you now. So throw off your bad thinking and put on your new thinking. The way you see things. The next one is feed your spirit. We already talked about that. Galatians 6, 8 says, For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will of the Holy Spirit reap everlasting life. So that's a pretty easy choice there, life or death again. And then Proverbs 28, 13 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But that's just natural. I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody about my sins. I'm not going to let them know that I'm flawed. I'm not going to let anybody, well... I wouldn't let everybody know. I'd be selective, but like I said, I'd get me an accountability partner that I can be honest with because it says iron sharpens iron and, and, that we, and James says we ought to confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. If we don't talk about it, if we don't get it out in the open, <clears throat> we keep it hidden, then we'll never change. We're trying to come out of darkness, not stay in it, you understand. He said people who conceal their sins will not prosper. You've got to bring it to the Lord. But, say but, if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Has God ever heard your confession and said, that's it, you're out of here. I'm through with you. He doesn't. As I grow in my relationship with him, I can be honest with him. And, and it's no big thing for me to say, God, you know, I did it again. I don't know how you put up with me, but I did it again, and I'm confessing again. And I'm repenting again until I can overcome this thing. So it says they will receive mercy. God is a God of mercy. How do we become this new creation? Throw off old actions and thoughts. Don't think the way you used to. And don't plan on acting the way you used to. Put on the new. See yourself as God's temple. Feed your spirit. And always be willing to confess and turn from your sins. Always be willing. You won't get all these right every time. But let this be our new mindset. That I belong to God and I'm going to do God's will. Because I'm God's temple. It's the fourth quarter, people. In Matthew 24, verse 42, Jesus talking about the fourth quarter. And when I say the fourth quarter, I'm talking about the end times. He says, so you too must keep watch. For you don't know the day that your Lord is coming. You don't know when your number's going to be called. You say, well, they've been saying Jesus is coming back forever. Well, there's a lot of people who have died during that time period, and that's when their number was called. So whether Jesus comes back in your lifetime or whether you go to be with Jesus, that's when your number is called. And you don't know the day or the hour that your Lord is coming. But understand this. 
If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time. When do we be ready? For the Son of Man will come when least expected. <clears throat> a faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing other, his, his other household servants and feeding them. What is God expecting us to do again? Managing his other household servants and feeding them. He wants us to take care of one another. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. And we're talking about eternal things now. We're talking about eternity that lasts forever. The things that you do in this short span of life that you have here on earth have eternal consequences. You will be put in charge of great things in eternity if you will be faithful in this short period here on earth. It's the best investment that you can make here is to serve the Lord and take care of God's household and his other servants and feed them and tell them the truth. It's the best investment you can make. He who winneth souls is wise. Tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But, verse 48, but, We'll just end right there because we don't need no stinking butts. I'm believing that not a person in here needs to read the rest of that because that's not going to be you. It's not, you're not going to be the one who's not going to take care of each other. You're not going to be the one not ready when your number's called. You can read it for yourself if you want to. But I'm just believing that you're the first half of this. There's going to be a great reward in, in heaven for us. Because look at all the preparing we're doing. If we skip the trials of our faith, we won't be ready when our number's called. I told Brother Rick this morning, he was telling me about all the things he's going through in his little period of tribulation in his life. I hope you don't mind me sharing, but I said, Rick, God just allows those things to continue to pull us, turn him. So he said, I, I went to the Lord, and I said, it's all yours, Lord. And he, he said, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He got his heart back right about, and he got thankfulness back. Couldn't you tell the thankfulness coming out of him today? He's going through a trial, and he's in here telling you how to be thankful for the generosity of God. And that's, that's what we do. We... We go through trials. You got to see the next time your refrigerator goes out, the next time, you're, you know, you don't have money for rent or, or this or whatever trial you may be, your kids go nuts, bongo or something, and you're like, oh, no. You got, you got to turn to the Lord and know that it's just a trial. It's just a test. All of this, all of life is just a test. Will you be found faithful? If everybody just had all the blessings in the world, wouldn't it be nice if Christians never had any problems? That we just lived in total comfort for the rest of our life. But our faith was, would never be tested. It's like we would never work those faith muscles. And we would never grow stronger. We would never grow endurance. It's just a test. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just a test. But isn't it time we start passing some of these tests? Because them Israelites in the wilderness, man, they were going through a test for 40 years and couldn't pass it. Oh, woe is me. Mumble, grumble, complain. Mumble, grumble, complain. Woe is me. We, we got to eat this manna. They weren't seeing manna as, as bread from heaven. They were seeing it as, oh, woe is me, more manna. God was just like testing them, testing them, testing Can you guys ever pass a test? We're going to pass the test because we're going to be enlightened. We're going to understand it is a test. And we're going to understand that we're going to pass it, and God is in charge, isn't he, Rick? 
We're going to hear his testimony about how God handled all his situations here pretty soon. And we're going to hear your testimony, hopefully. That whatever God's bringing you through, you found yourself faithful. You gird up your loins and put on the whole armor of God and got in there and said, Yes, my God is in control. And you're going to pass the test. Can you trust God with the trial that he's giving you that's needed to take you to a higher place? Chad, would you come up and play a little, play a little something happy for us? Because I read in Philippians 1.6, it says that I am, Paul says, I am certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ. You see, it's Christ working in us. God is going to continue working if you'll just stay on the potter's wheel. If you'll just keep getting up after getting knocked down. When you fall down or when you give up, you'll get back up. If we'll just stay with God, we continue to grow. He's working it out. we got to trust the master. He knows what he's, he's putting you through, and it's to make you stronger. And Paul was in prison when he wrote this in Philippians 4, 4. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. So what was the key last week to, to get you through to the end? Our endurance, the key was the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Well, this week the key is to rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. We joyed last week. We're going to stir that back up and rejoice this week. You gotta keep the joy going. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.